0: Hello, and welcome to the LB School Podcast. I'm Christy Michelle, the School and Library Coordinator, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I've got a special treat. Mark Tertulli is joining us to discuss his newest graphic novel, The Big Break. You may already know Mark from his previous graphic novel, a memoir called Short and Skinny, which came out in 2018. It's on three state award lists in Maryland, New Hampshire, and Texas, and countless of kids have fallen in love with it. I remember one particular kid review that we got said, quote, Mark is my favorite character because I'm just like him, short and skinny. My arms and legs are like two L's. I shared that kid review with my colleagues, Michelle Campbell and Victoria Stapleton, and they laughed just like I did. They really loved it too. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Christy. Awesome. All right, let's jump right into the questions and get this podcast started.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: How did your relationship with comics and graphic novels start?
1: It just came to me naturally. Uh, I don't know what, how I ended up doing cartooning, but um, I just I'm loved cartooning right away. I loved Disney cartoons, and they're gonna I think, primarily. Uh, that inspired me more than anything, going to movies and seeing Disney stuff. And uh, I just love cartoons and, and making people laugh, and I drew for all my school newspapers. My grade school, my junior high and high school newspaper and then graphic novel is just another way of telling stories. It's just more long form.
0: Is there a big difference between creating and maintaining a comic strip and writing a graphic novel?
1: Yes. A comic strip is something that's kind of like it's it's like it's alive. You create these characters and people will see them every day, every single day, color on Sunday. So they—it's like they're living with them for seven seconds, and that's you know the average life to read a comic strip. But it's like somebody is actually living with these characters for seven seconds every day. I live with them all the time. They're always in my head, talking to me and telling me what the, what their ne- next adventure is. A living thing—it's a thing that's alive. It's always moving forward. It's always changing. It's it's, it's getting smarter. That's what a comic strip is. A Graphic novel exists as, as as a single arc. I don't know, you know it just, beginning, it middle, just and end to, to within again, the two hundred fifty to, like to three hundred pages novel. that it's told in. And then uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of like looking at each chapter is almost like a comic strip. It has like a, a, a build up, a, a, a setup, a build up, and then a payoff, and then the next chapter starts and the same thing again.
0: I love that distinction you make. It makes me think that with a comic strip, it can grow along with you as you're growing up. Like you can grow up with a comic strip, but like um, with a graphic novel, it's kind of like you grow up and it stays the same, but because you're growing up and the way you think and the things you've experienced have changed, your relationship to the graphic novel changes. So you see things a little bit differently. You see some other things that you didn't notice before. I really like that.
1: Yeah, when I started my one comic strip part of the city, I was mid-30s, uh, early 30s, and that and now I'm in uh, my uh, late 50s. So yeah, my, my attitudes have changed a lot more. My experiences have changed. It definitely affects your comic strip. Short and Skinny was a memoir, so it was about reflecting back on my life and my experiences, so that was very cathartic experience for me but um it was funny to to do it to put myself back into middle grade and all of those uh those fears and insecurities came sweeping back and then all of the the people that I met came sweeping back and and all the experiences and what it was like to live without internet and 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 800 channels on your television and yeah very different times.
0: Speaking of short and skinny Bookless praised it by saying, Tuttuli compellingly depicts how an object of culture can galvanize genuine emotions. Your new graphic novel, The Big Break, just hit shelves last March. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Short and Skinny was
1: a direct memoir of my life, and it it focuses on the summer of 1977, whereas... The Big Break is, is still based on experiences from my life, but it takes place in modern times. The two characters are made up, but they're um, I, they're composites of, of people that I have known growing up and my experiences growing up. So it's about boy friendships and, and the ups and downs of middle school friendship and uh, all of the, the craziness that you go through and the, the weird feelings that you have and, you know, your first best friend is like the first person you love outside of your family that you really, you really confide in, and uh, it's just a, a very odd experience. And growing up and, uh, and and trying to understand that, especially when you're a boy.
0: I remember reading the Big Break. One thing that struck me about it, it has such a a real sense of place, right? Especially with the Jersey Devil. Yes. It's
1: based on my experiences loosely, but where I lived was in South Jersey, and everybody in, in New Jersey knew who the Jersey Devil was.
0: Did you have a different approach to writing and illustrating the story of your own childhood and short and skinny to a fictional story like what we have in The Big Break?
1: Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the same process. Except in, in when I was doing Short and Skinny, what I did was I wrote landmark, down life, a lot of it, my it memories on, the summer of on the little post-it notes and put them all over a door and basically formed a story out of that, or an arc, out of out of those experiences, the things that happened, Then I put them into an order that, that worked so I could tell the story. I mean, it, it, it may not be the order that it happened in real life, but there are definitely things that happened to me, really. In... The big break. I had this basic experience of, of having a best friend that we we actually had a falling out during middle school, and I took that experience and then just added the uh, the subplot of the movie and uh, that we were working on. And I don't know. It just it all just seemed to to come together, but it had to be written like a regular novel.
0: How did you develop your drawing style?
1: My drawing style is is based on all of the things that I loved growing up. You know, it, it's 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 informed by every cartoonist that I ever loved and studied. You know, so I took uh, you know the the way I draw eyes is taken from this guy. The way I draw legs is taken from that woman. You know, so it and it all it all comes together to form my style. And it takes years and years to get to that point because uh, early on. Your stuff looks a lot like the cartoonists that you admire, but eventually you develop your own style.
0: Well, that's kind of how you learn, right? You learn from the greats, and then you become a great yourself. Yes. So who are some of the people who who you admired most when you were growing up, when you were first developing your style?
1: Gahan Wilson. Any of the Disney cartoons I loved. One of the uh, cartoonists from... From the old Disney days, that designed uh, Mickey Mouse actually was U um, B Works. Yeah, it's a weird name. U um, B is his first name, and it works. I W E R K S. Um, his his stuff was great, and uh, I loved his animation style. And Berkeley Breath was a great cartoonist. Uh, still, still around. Does uh, Bloom County, uh, and it did a strip called Opus. Gary Trudeau does uh, Doonesbury, and, uh, and, and, and of course, uh, Charles Schultz and, and uh, um, Bill Waterston, who does Calvin and Hobbes. Those were all big influences.
0: Films influenced you a lot, too. What are some of the films that influenced you?
1: Well, I mean, that's where I started. I, I wanted to, I mean, I always was a cartoonist, and then I, I, I said to myself, well, you know what, after Star Wars came out, that's what I wanted to do, was be a filmmaker. And so the movies that really affected my life growing up in that early phase was like Star Wars, Jaws, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, anything Disney, again. The great thing about Disney was Disney would take what looked like just regular cartoons, but give them real emotion. I mean, by the end of a Disney cartoon, you're crying over these drawn characters. To me, that's an amazing thing. And it's an amazing power, and I loved it. And my graphic novels are almost like storyboards to a movie. I
0: don't remember it having. Uh,
1: they sh- they, they, sh- wait, they it track like a movie because it's like maybe a movie in it, my mind kind of- that I'm just actually drawing out.
0: I can definitely see like that Disney influence, what you say about Disney. I can see that influence in your work because I think in almost every review, the reviewer calls out, how heartfelt your work is and how the emotions are real and how that just comes through in the illustration and in the, in the story itself.
1: Yes. Well, if you're not emotionally invested in the characters, if you don't care about them, you're not going to want to finish the story. I always write for myself first, because if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, the readers can always pick up on that and they're going to lose interest too. So it has to be something that really, really interests me. And um, and in, in order to do that, I have to really flesh out these characters. It's, you know, it's easy to end up with characters that are very cardboard. It's, it's, it's a little harder to flesh them out and give them real things that they care about and things they want. And those are the things that we can all relate to.
0: Imagine a bookshelf. On it are two graphic novels, Short and Skinny and The Big Break. What are three other graphic novels you would place next to them, and why?
1: Anything by Raina Telgemeier. It's always good to be on the bookshelf next to Raina Telgemeier because she's a bestseller, and she's her name is spelled the same as mine, so we usually end up. She's a T E on the, and I'm a T A, so we usually end up very close to each other on the bookshelves in, in the bookstore. <laughs> I mean, I love her her books. Smile really inspired me. Do write my own story, which is short and skinny. And uh, other graphic novels that I really liked were um, um, El Defoe. And um, again, that's, an, that's a memoir book, too. A Monster on the Hill by Rob Harrell. Uh, that's a, a really beautiful, well drawn graphic novel. Uh, God, there are just so many. I mean, I've read so many. This one summer, it's called Just This One Summer. And it's about a uh, just a summer vacation, and, and it's it's in memoir style, of a coming of age story. It's really really good.
0: I have an additional question for you. This one might be a curveball. If you could okay. place Short and Skinny and The Big Break next to three other books that aren't graphic novels, what would they be?
1: Well, I I, re- I really like William Goldman books, and I really like uh, Stephen King books. So I would say anything by them, you know, Magic by Wayne Goldman or The Princess Bride or or Misery or uh, It or The Stand. Those are all, those, those are three really good um, Stephen King books.
0: I can um, definitely see like Short and Skinny and The Big Break next to The Princess Bride. They kind of have the same like nostalgic vibe to them and also like a love of storytelling in them. So I can see that, yeah. Hi
1: heart is everything having heart kids love heart and I love heart and I love you know I think a a book a book has a soul and a heart a really good one anyway one that speaks to me has a soul and a heart and that's that's what I strive for
0: what do you think graphic novels bring to storytelling that's unique from what a traditional book can offer
1: well the obvious is that it's um it's engaging all of your senses, you know, except for your, your hearing. You're watching, you're, you're seeing the action, you're getting the dialogue. Uh, you don't have to read what, what's happening. The pictures are showing it to you. And I liken it to, uh, to, to watching a foreign film with subtitles. I know, me personally... My experience with foreign films, with subtitles, is I always feel so much more engaged while I'm reading along, while I'm seeing the action. I'm just, like, totally pulled in. You know, you, you can't, you know, be on your cell phone or go up to the kitchen and, and get something to eat. or You know, you you got to stay engaged with it. And graphic novels are like that, too. They totally engage you on multiple levels, and that's what I really, really love about them. You can really draw somebody into your world.
0: What I like about them is that I feel like as a reader, you're engaging in two types of literacy. There's the speech bubbles, right? And there's what the characters say to each other, which is a little bit like traditional books with just text in them. But then there's also all the illustration. And so much of the action and the meaning and the signification is in the illustration and not just in like the characters and their faces or what they're wearing, but also in how you organize an actual page, right?
1: Yes, and also the space between the panels. See, that's where the problem-solving comes in because I'm asking the reader to say, here's, here's two pictures, one some by, side by side, and there's a space between. You, as the reader, have to figure out what happens between those panels so it all flows smoothly. And so it's on one level, it's also like problem solving and comprehension in that sense. And I think if you do your job right, the reader should have no problem filling in those blanks.
0: I really like that aspect of graphic novels because you can read a graphic novel really quickly, but you can also take your time with it, right? And read it really slowly. And you can go back to it and see things that you hadn't seen before in like in the background and details that the artist put in. My experience with graphic novels has been pretty limited, but I feel like graphic novels have exploded in children's literature in the past few years. Back when I was in high school, and I'm revealing my age right now, but back when I was in high school, the ones I knew about were Maus by Art Spiegelman and Persepolis by Marjane Satrapi, but middle graders today have, and you mentioned her before, Raina Telgemeier, and of course, your books, Short and Skinny, and The Big in Break. Reality, preparing so I was involved, wondering, are there like, any changes in the graphic novel out, landscape that you see coming up or that you're looking forward to and are really excited about?
1: I mean, it's 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 telling stories with pictures. So it's always changing. What's exciting is the thing that we haven't discovered yet, the new way of telling stories. I mean, who, who would have thought that anybody would pick up a book called Diary of a Wimpy Kid that that showed, you know, just a a kid recording, a a, a dorky kid recording his daily routine. It just went gangbusters. The same thing with Raina Telgemeier writing a memoir for middle grade. What middle grader wants to read a memoir? But look what happened, you know? So you just don't know what the next thing is going to be. You just don't know the, the next way to tell a story, and that's, to me, very exciting. I would love to do a, a wordless graphic novel. I mean, like my comic ship Leo. So I'm used to working in that format. But, you know, I'd love to just do an entire, like, you know, there there is a graphic novel that I have that I really like, and I, I forgot to mention this. It's called Robot Dreams, and it is a wordless graphic novel. But I'd like to do something that was epic in scale with no words. I think that would be really challenging really fun and really different. I just might get a lot of pushback from Librarians and teachers and it's parents who, in who, are, uh, sense. who might and be I on the fence with graphic novels right, to begin with, but the they really rich. have no problem so won't like the with
0: the idea of
1: a graphic novel books. with no words. But then
0: there's also <laughs> well, I think the it, it goes back to what we were talking to before, right? Like literacy isn't just isn't just words; it comes in many forms. And I think a wordless right. graphic novel would inca- would engage, um, like both the imagination of children reading it or children looking at it. And it would encourage them to like, to be more proactive in their reading because it wouldn't just be a story being told to them. It would be a story that they're helping to make almost kind of, right, as they're reading it. Hey, listen,
1: you're preaching to the choir here. I agree with you 100%. It's all about comprehension. And it's also building confidence as a reader. You know, it's really important growing. I remember looking at books and looking at the font size and just being like, oh, I, forget it. I'm never even going to look at that because it's so small and there's so many pages. I'm never going to, and so you get depressed. You know, you you see your other friends reading entire books, and if if you can actually get through something first, if let's say you start off with something wordless, and then you move into something that has a little bit more words, and then so on and so on, you build your confidence. Um, I think there are a lot of a lot of kids out there that are reader challenged. I think that there are a lot of adults that are reader challenged. That have completely stopped reading in their adult life. Uh, I think maybe a, a graphic novel that's that's good from for people from six to sixty. That's the age group that I want to write for too. <laughs> I don't want. I don't like pigeonholing something to middle grade or you know um, for, for uh, young adults or whatever. if you can do something that appeals to a vast amount of people. Look at Star Wars. Let's let's bring it all the way around back to Star Wars. That's something that is aimed at kids, but it's but it also speaks to the kid in every adult. So it's it's something that's good for for people from six to sixty.
0: And it's also really generational too, right? Each generation loves Star Wars. Like it's not well, it's, it's mythology. Not so time.
1: Um, you know that that transcends generations.
0: Yeah. So let's dig a little more into the big break. I really love seeing the relationship between Andrew and Russell. So I wanted to ask you, how did the characters come to you? And while you were writing them, did they change at all?
1: The, the, the main character of Andrew was always primarily me. And then the uh, the, the his best friend is uh, Russ. And that's kind of a composite Of all the friends that I had, the writing never changed about how how I saw them. Uh, I always knew what was going to happen in their relationship. The thing was, what like how far in the weeds was I going to get into it with the psychology of it? You know, when you have a friendship that's that strong, do you start to think, "Oh my gosh, maybe I love this guy so much, maybe I'm gay." Or you know, my I I didn't there. I didn't go there, yes. but um, yes, so I, I I, but that, right those were definitely things that I uh, thought about mirror. growing up. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and why am I jealous? Because he has a girlfriend, and and, and and you kind of feel stupid but hurt at the same time. And and those are things. Those are themes that I wanted to. You know, <laughs> the, the middle grade is this huge time of 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 confusion. It really is, and you're afraid to 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 ask adults. So it's kind of like, it's like the first time you're, it's the first time you're like stepping from childhood into adulthood by yourself and uh, trying to figure things out for yourself. And it never, uh, well, I shouldn't say never, but it it sometimes doesn't go just the way you want it to.
0: Yeah. I think middle grade is a, is a very particular time in someone's life because it's not high school when you think that like you're all grown up and like you want to completely move away from your parents and like live your own life and you're starting to prepare for college and actually like in reality preparing for being an adult but it's like you're starting to branch out you're starting to choose your own friends you're starting to have your own tastes that you recognize are your own tastes right and right and you're you're
1: sharing things you're sharing things with your friends that you would never friends. share with your family. You find yeah. On Twitter You'll feel, honest honest feelings, feelings, you know, that, and, and so think. that draws them into something that's really, really
0: close. Yeah. I remember last time we spoke, I mentioned how, how your work, like the feel of your work reminds me of. Yes. These movies and, and you can tell sometimes that left an impression different... on different me when I first saw them. And I still watch them like to this day, I'll watch them at least once a, once a year. Um, The Sandlot, which I think is a Disney movie, actually The Sandlot, and also Stand by Me. Like it's about those friendships you make when you're a kid that just they kind of define you in a way. Yes,
1: yes, and yeah, and it's just and and it's a magic time. You'd ever think it's magic when you're living it, because it's horrible when you're living it. But in retrospect, it's like oh, that's that was pretty amazing. Yeah, (laughs) you know, I mean, I've never actually seen Sandlot. But so, you know, I think that's, that's, that's after it's my time. A, so I, um, um I, I, it's, was, it's I was, I was, I'm, I'm older than you are. So I had, uh, you know, stand by me would be closer to what my experience was. I
0: think the Sandlot is a lot like stand by me, only it's a little, it's a little more kid oriented cause it doesn't, I don't remember it having, oh wait, maybe it does have that, um the The adult speaker kind of looking back on on his childhood. But if you ever have the time, you should definitely check it out. It's such oh no, a good I, movie.
1: it's on my list. It's on my Amazon list. I just have to, you know, I have to just commit to it. It's yeah. hard to, it, you know, when you draw all the time. It's I I have to I I put on things that I know what what's happening because. Uh, I'll put on movies, like Stand By Me. I I can listen to the dialogue and picture what's happening on the screen without actually looking at it. And that makes it easier for me to work while I, you know, watch a movie, quote unquote.
0: Oh, cool. Actually, I'm going to go off script and I'm going to ask you a little bit about your working process because that was really cool to hear that you have, like, movies that you've watched before on in the background as you work. Is there Are there any other... Um, quirks that you have for when you're working, like as you're actually doing your,
1: your drawing
0: and your illustrating. But I'm, uh, but
1: I'm, but I was taller and you know, so my, my of adult, office, I called it together of despair, but it's the, uh, it's basically a, a, a basement office. That's a, a It's a basement that's been converted. And I'm, so I'm on the furthest end of the house and nobody ever comes down there because there's no reason to really come down there unless you're, you want to get something out of my office and they rarely need to. Eerie. So I usually get uh, so wrapped up in my book, work a book, a book when my daughter together, comes my down course. or my wife comes down and, and asks me something, they scare the living crap out of me because I'm so invested in what I'm doing. <laughs> I just don't even hear them or anything or even the door open. And it's just like, boom. I guess you can say that I go into like a um, a mystical phase, you know, where you just like, you're so wrapped up in listening to the characters and drawing them and trying to get the shapes right, and I'm really, really a stickler for getting emotional um, reactions and faces right.
0: I remember last yeah. time you said you had like a mirror there, so that you like yes. made faces in your mirror.
1: Yes. Yes. So I you have, have a mirror have right next a, a, to my a, a full length mirror. You know, and so, and, and, so, and, so, so I, I can look at what my body or, or, or how my body reacts to certain things because it's one thing to have a facial expression but your body usually Even goes along with it that I re- so if you're recoiling so you into yourself me. I mean you, you uh, can the face is one thing sin. but the body does something completely different and so um you know I, I like to be able to see all of that and then interpret it for my illustrations I, you know I, I was when I was drawing when I was drawing short and skinny there's this one phase where I'm actually I hug my dad and I was trying to remember what it was like to hug my dad when I was 12 okay now my dad has passed my dad passed away in, in 2013 and we used to hug all the time and kiss and I you know whenever I saw him but it, but I' but I was taller and you know we were more of adults t- together but when I hug when, when you hug when you're a kid your head goes to the chest and your arms go around the, the whole body and it, it's just a different thing. Completely, and I tried to immerse myself into that. And that was looking in the mirror and and saying, How did my head go? What was that? I remember that feeling. It came back. So I tried to capture that. It took me a long time to draw what I, to satisfy myself with that drawing.
0: If there's a kid who wants to get into drawing comic strips and drawing his own graphic novel, what are some of the first like bare bones materials? that you think this kid will need?
1: Oh my gosh, you just need something that draws and something that you can draw on. My mom used to take my dad's shirts for the dry cleaning and they would come back with this piece of cardboard in it. It was shiny on one side, shiny white on one side and 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 gray on the other and I could, you know, and so when I drew on it with a ballpoint pen on the shiny side, it gave this really cool effect and then on the other side, which was gray, if you drew on it with a pencil, it really ate it ate the lead really good, so it, it, it got a really nice shading effect. So literally, anything that you can draw on I mean, I I drew cartoons for the longest time on just straight up copying you new know, copy paper with, you know, uh, big pens. Uh, It doesn't matter what the implement is. It doesn't matter what the tool is. The the important thing is the storytelling. And then that the illustrations fit the style of the the storytelling. It doesn't have to be what you consider to be great drawing. It just has to fit tonally together.
0: See right there what you just said? That's another level of... This, the complexity of storytelling in graphic novels like you can't have the like what you said the drawing has to match the story the drawing has the drawing the illustration has to match the tone and i guess tone right. also comes out in the illustration as well not just in the text
1: yes and and you can tell sometimes when there's a different writer that is somebody's writing and somebody else is drawing and it's just not Connecting,
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: awkward and weird, and it's same thing like in a, in a movie. I think the best movies are the movies that are, are directed by the same person that writes it, yeah. because they know exactly what they want to see. They know totally what it needs to be, and uh, it, it it always just seems to um, it always seems to just work better. I mean, I think families that families that sing together are always just tonally perfect because they're just on the same
0: page i actually just had a really funny thought i was thinking if like um if Reyna telgemeier like she still had the same story and smile but it was illustrated by like frank miller like that wouldn't work uh, at all
1: no right? that would not work <laughs> although frank Miller's really talented and he would give it a, a real go uh you wouldn't have the the um the heart that Rain is illustrated. See, Rain is really, really good at creating these simple f- forms that really convey honest emotions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 when you look at that as a kid, she'd never have as many people following her if it wasn't. If kids didn't find that as an honest depiction of middle grade. And um, she, she hit the nail on the head. So I, wouldn't even, I don't even want to think about Frank Miller coming near that. As much as I love Frank Miller.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to the big break. So this is something I've come to again and again in every review of your books. Which is that there's something really genuine about the emotions in them. There's something really genuine about Andrew and Russ in the big break. I think the book does a great job of describing the emotional landscape of young boys, but also of every young kid, regardless of gender. And I wanted to ask, how are you able to tap into that?
1: It's a, um, it's, it's basically being honest and looking at my own childhood and looking at, and, and, and really immersing myself in the moments that I, because we all have those moments. I mean, you you can have a sentence that you said when you were eleven, and you remembered how an adult reacted to it or another friend reacted to it, and you remember exactly those words exactly because it was just a left an emotional scar for good or for bad. Uh, but it left that uh, that we all have those. We all, and especially in, in in junior high, we all went through that stuff. Whether I think people, some people are loath to look back on their on their lives i'm always reflecting on my lives because my life because that's where um ideas come from not not necessarily fresh ideas you you have to give them a a new spin uh you know and 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 bring it into modern times or, or 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 wrap it around a character that you've created but those emotions that you have we all remember them
0: all right A lot of folks are at home right now, and books are a great source of distraction and entertainment, and also of education. So I wanted to ask, what are you reading right now, and do you have any suggestions for what people should be reading, other than, of course, Short and Skinny and The Big Break?
1: (laughs) Yes, those for sure. I mean, I've been reading, right now I'm reading... Um, Stephen K- Stephen King on writing, and it's about it's it's basically uh, Stephen King examining his writing experience through the years. And I'm also reading a anthology uh, comic series that came out in the '70s called *Eerie*. Uh, and, and this is just a, a, a book, a compilation book that was put together by Dark Horse Comics, and basically it's these weird stories. Uh, like, you know, um, Twilight, Sony, kind of, but not so much science fiction as, as horror. Oh, horror cool. stories.
0: What would you like readers to take away from The Big Break? I expect them
1: to be entertained. I, I hope that they uh, like it. I especially hope that middle grade readers will read it again and again and again, like the books that they really, you know, love from their childhood. And that it becomes a childhood fr- favorite, that it spoke to something, in them, then it helped them through maybe a, 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 a time of question, and, uh, and then that, you know, primarily that they were entertained and enjoyed the process of reading, and then look forward to reading
0: again. Well, I definitely think that'll happen, because it's just the kind of book that, you know, you read it, it makes you feel good, but it also makes you think, and then you just kind of want to go back to it again. It, it's got a kind oh, of comfort to it.
1: Well, that's, that's great. That, I would love that.
0: <laughs> Mark, thank you again for doing this. This was such a lovely conversation. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Both Short and Skinny and The Big Break are on shelves and ready for reading right now. You can find Mark on Twitter at at mtotulli, and you can always find us on Twitter at at school. Until next time.